You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove Podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Now, I am somebody who is interested in a lot of different things, and I've tried a lot of different things, and I've been pretty good at a lot of different things. But one thing I have definitely not been successful in is athletics. From an early age, I tried all the different sports that typical kids did. I joined the baseball teams. I played basketball in junior high. But whether it was striking out in t-ball or body slamming a kid in a basketball game, my performance in athletic pursuits generally just left the refs scratching their heads and struggling to make sense of and figure out what rules would apply to the actions that they had just witnessed. Still, despite my jaw-dropping lack of athletic prowess and physical coordination, if I were alive a hundred years ago, I could have competed in the Olympics. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and for this week's Fun Fact Friday, I'm sharing a little bit of forgotten history in that art used to be an Olympic event. The inclusion of art in the Olympics actually began in 1912. But that was not when the idea of art as an Olympic event began. That actually goes all the way back to the founder. The founder of the International Olympic Committee, or the IOC, and the founding of the Modern Games came from Baron Pierre de Coubertin. Coubertin. Baron Pierre de Coubertin. We'll just call him Baron Pierre. Now, he was raised and, you know educated with that traditional liberal arts sort of broad educational philosophy. And what he was really interested in, inspired by, was the idea of the spirit of the Olympian, someone who is not only athletic, but skilled in music and literature and the arts. 
So what he really wanted to do was recreate the events in modern times, and he felt like it would be incomplete if it were just athletics. He felt like it needed to have some aspect of the arts. So around the turn of the century, he struggled to build the modern Olympics from scratch. He wasn't able to convince like everybody to go along with his vision right from the start. Um, he started off with local organizers and the first few games in Athens, St. Louis, Paris, arts competitions were not happening. And he was really adamant that what separated the Olympics and the Olympiads of ancient Greece from your everyday sort of run-of-the-mill sports ball championship is that the Olympiad, they exhibited the arts and the, the sports and artistic competitions were sort of on equal footing. It's sort of broader-based and a more inclusive spirit and that is not just athletic, but also intellectual and creative. It is, again, getting back to that ideal of the, the liberal arts education and the broad-based education and sort of the, the whole body and mind all being celebrated at its highest levels. And then finally, in the 1912 Stockholm Games, they were able to get the arts included along with all the other events for competition. They took submissions in five categories for the arts. You could get your gold, silver, or bronze medal for architecture, music, painting, sculpture, and literature. The only sort of caveat was that every work had to be somehow inspired by the concept of sport. A number of artists submitted, but there were also a number of artists who kind of stayed away from that. There are a couple of reasons for this. One reason is that a lot of artists were sort of skeptical. A lot of really successful, fine artists at that time looked at it and said, well, what do we really need this for? And why do we have to fit in this box of making stuff that is all about sports? You know, we want to be more high-minded and creative and do something else. I think if you got them to be really truthful, a number of artists would probably also say it can do harm to their reputation by competing. How is it going to look if, if they are one of the most famous and celebrated artists and they don't take home the gold? It's not worth the risk. Now, while many art world insiders were not super enthusiastic about the inclusion of arts in the Olympics, audiences did enjoy it. And so by like 1932, nearly 400,000 people visited the, the museums and the exhibitions and some big names started to enter the competitions. And ultimately, that was its sort of undoing. A lot of people felt like the spirit of the Olympics was supposed to be all about these amateurs, not these professionals, but amateurs doing things for the love of sport and for the love of the competition. And they didn't want things that were going to be swayed by the weight of money. And they didn't want professional artists in the games. And so ultimately, they ended up scrapping art as an Olympic event. But they did maintain that love and support for the arts, and it was replaced by non-competitive 
exhibitions during the games. It eventually became known as the Cultural Olympiad. While I am never a big advocate for competition among the arts, I don't see a lot of value in saying one artist is better than another, one deserves the gold and another one deserves the silver. I just don't think you can quantify art in that way. I think all art is good and has some things to be appreciated and some things to learn from. I do think... I do think people need that recognition, and I was really disappointed when I was doing research and I found that 151 medals have been awarded, but they've been been stricken from the Olympic record, and they are not currently included in countries' official current medal counts. Now, while I'm not exactly thrilled with the idea that those medals are not counted and that you know, there's there's the diminishing of people's achievements in that that lack of recognition. I guess one one good thing is that the Olympics does continue to support and promote the arts. There are regular contests along with the sports matches to allow entrants to send in sculptures and graphic works with the theme of the Olympics. And while no medals are at stake, Winners do receive cash prizes, recognition, and just the pride that comes along with all of that. So whenever we get back to normal and start to to host those games and those competitions again, look out for the thing that separates the Olympics from any other sports match. The inclusion of the arts and other markers of culture celebrating everybody's unique brand of genius and the awe-inspiring accomplishments that people are able to achieve when they fully dedicate themselves to pursuing whatever they're passionate about. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.